They do. That's what I say every time I drop some kids off at the pool. <laughs> I thought we were going down the, the boob oh, road. The twin breasts of Sheba, yes. as Alan Quatermain. Because uh, what I was going to say is that if boobs are on twins, then that's the ultimate double feature, wouldn't you say? Yes. <laughs> Did I tell you when, when uh, the last time Jarrett and I were in the US and we went with Michael Helms, a good friend of ours, in Austin, Texas, there is a Hooters-like chain of restaurants called Twin Peaks, oh, which is themed like the show Twin Peaks, but is also a Hooters-style restaurant. <laughs> so the girls who work there are all wearing like low-cut tops and short shorts, but in like a David Lynchian way. How weird did you did you have the cherry pie? Didn't have I don't know I don't think we did have the cherry pie. I mean we had so there were some logs. Had some log ladies, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> Cup of Joe. Uh, Cup of Joe. Like we had a round, but um, it was—it's basically a sports bar, so it was mainly like chicken wings and stuff like that. <laughs> but Twin Peaks thing. Well, I mean, this intro is not at all what I thought it would be. <laughs> I've actually got a—I've got an idea. Would you like to introduce the show this week? Uh, <laughs> sure. Give me the computer. <laughs> Let me swing that around. There's nothing written down. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Good Movie Monday <laughs> There we go The show about nerdy cinematic ramblings I am your host, Ben Helwig And I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime Mr. Glenn Cochran How's it going, Glenn? I'm going well, Ben I'm going, thanks, <laughs> Thank you very much, good to be here <laughs> What have you been up to this week, Glenn? Oh, you know, just nothing <laughs> whole lot of nothing, eating um, In fact, you and I have just eaten we have just and eaten. I'm feeling the reflux. <laughs> well, that's better than when, before we came up here. You had planned. <laughs> you said, I'm going to get all the farts out now before we start recording. And then the minute we closed the door, you went, sorry, none of the farts have come out yet. <laughs> so I've got that to look forward to for the rest of the show. I regret offering you that position. <laughs> <laughs> of course, welcome to everybody that is new to the show. You can find us wherever you get good podcasts. We especially recommend Newsly. It's the super app that not only gives you podcasts, but all of the news from around the world. They have a special offer too. For our listeners, if you use the code MONDAY without the O, M-N-D-A-Y, you can get a whole month of premium upgrade for free. You know what the good thing about Newsly is? What's that? When you... Like download like a news story or look at a news story, it'll read it to you just like mummy used to when you're in bed at night. <laughs> and you can change the voices. If you had two mummies, you can have two have voices. Have two mummies? Yeah. I'd like to have two mummies <laughs> in HD. <laughs> Reading me the news. Three mummies never works well. Just ask Brendan Fraser. No. Too many mummies in the kitchen. <laughs> Spoils the broth. <laughs> We've got a belter of a show this week, Ben. In the spirit of double features, we have two, count them, two guests on two this show. Two guests, because it's the end of the year, <laughs> and we've got too many 
We've had too many people going, we want to be on the show. Yeah, not enough room for them all. Not enough room for them. We've had to cram them in like sardines. And these two are behind some particularly ludicrous creature features. Lovely. Which we'll be talking about soon. Uh, Stick around because you will hear my chat with the CEO of The Asylum, which is a really cool chat. Can't wait for you to hear it. It's David Rimmery. He's um, the guy that gave us the Sharknado franchise. He also is, I guess, responsible for the whole Mockbuster turn of phrase. And I'm going to ask him all about that. It's a great chat. If you know what the asylum is or any, even if you don't, it's an education, this chat. It's really fantastic. Uh, what else? Are we going to um, talk about Slotherhouse. Yes, Slotherhouse. Yes, you and I, Ben, we sat down with the director and had an, a chat about this outrageous film. It is, it's a slasher film with a sloth. With a sloth. What a, <laughs> like in a sorority. <laughs> It is literally the greatest idea ever. When it comes to like, if 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 some if I was a if I was a film sales agent or a financier, and somebody walked into my office and said, "I've got an idea for a film. It's a slasher film, and the killer is a sloth." <laughs> but wait, it's, it takes place in a sorority. I couldn't I couldn't give the money fast enough. <laughs> That's right. I feel like that guy. Who in my head it's a Dawson's Creek gag, but it's not a Dawson's Creek mm. gag about the the guy who goes to get <laughs> financing for and someone if if a listener out there knows where this story is from, please share it in the comments because I, I know it's not it's not mine. <laughs> it's from somewhere, but this guy this filmmaker goes into this <laughs> the producer's office and uh, he pitches his idea and the and the producers just remain silent for like two to twenty seconds and then goes, Are there boobs in it? <laughs> and the director's like, Oh yeah, sure, if you want boobs, yeah, we'll have boobs. Is it, what will they do? Uh, I don't know. Jiggle? You couldn't write that check fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just, um, I'm just taking it back to the intro. Needless to say, great show. Great show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do have our regular guest coming up too. Jared Garn from Monster Fest will be up in a moment to talk about this week's physical media releases. There's quite a bit coming out to talk about. And I'll do my best to give him a proper introduction this week, Ben, okay? Oh, no. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And the guys from Bonehead Weekly will be here with their Bonehead Weekly fun size. Talking about films. Funsies. Yeah, films that take place on water. Well, like striking distance. Oh, there you go. You should be a Bonehead. And Deep Impact. I, they, if Not Deep Impact, Deep Rising. Yeah. If they would invite me on the show, I'd be there. <laughs> there you go. And before we move on, let's kick it off with a little bit of talk about Ferrari. We caught Ferrari. We did. At the cinemas last week, a preview screening. Michael Mann's latest thing. Uh (laughs) I was actually surprised. Uh, Variety magazine put out a post uh, where three of their top critics listed their top 10 films for the year. And one of them Hmm. gave gave this one the coveted number one spot. What? What? Number Number one? one. Wow. Best film of the year. He must be in Michael Mann's pocket. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, I would not go so far as to say that. Um, I'm still torn about this one. I've still got to contemplate it a little bit. It's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, it is. Look, to be honest, I think it's boring. (laughs) I do think it's boring. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I I didn't think it was boring. I just thought... Who cares? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> which to me is boring. Which, like, you know. like I'm not a car guy, but I I still I thoroughly enjoyed Ford versus Ferrari, and they yeah. skip over the because there is a bit in Ford versus Ferrari that kind of intersects. Yes, with this with the planned with a potential merger between 
uh, Ford and or is this even earlier? This mm, may actually be earlier, so they, is, they must have flirted with it a couple of times. Oh, this, but this has quite a, a timeline <coughs> with it, but yeah, maybe because basically in 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 this film, so Ferrari, all of the Maserati, Ferrari, all the Italian car companies except for Fiat, yeah. Uh, are having money trouble. They have to win this race that the film is kind of set around mm-hmm. in order to help sell cars and keep their factories going. And so, in one point in the film, they they kind of leak the fact that they're talking to Ford in America in order to kind of squeeze money out of the Italian government or Fiat or someone. Yep. In Ford versus Ferrari, they try and buy Ferrari. And at the last minute, and like it seems That's to be right. all going through, and in the last minute they screw them over, go with Fiat. Yeah. And so Ford is furious, and that's basically why they start the Ford yeah, racing so program. So this film, Michael Manns establishes that relationship, I guess. <coughs> yeah. Before he gets to that. Um, look, you know, the biggest problem I had with this was um, Adam Driver. Like, I find him to be such a caricature these days. Like, I don't buy him in these <laughs> roles. He clearly looked like he was wearing a wig. It just it gave me flashbacks to the House of Gucci. Um, I just don't find him appealing yeah, in these it. roles. I like him as an actor, but just not in these sort of period pieces. Yeah. I, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with him. I thought it was a bit rich to try and get us to think that any European accents are European accents. So <laughs> yeah. the fact that Penelope Cruz, you know, a, you know, a, a middle-aged uh, Spanish woman is, you know, speaking in her own accent is the same as a middle-aged Italian woman. I just kind of I mean, if you're going <laughs> to do English as the language. Just have them speak their own accents. But yeah, I look. I thought realistically, this more so than any Ridley Scott movie I've seen, they could have easily cut an hour out of this. Hundred <laughs> yeah. uh, percent. I thought the the car racing when they actually were talking about the cars, yeah. when it wasn't the family stuff, when mm-hmm. it was the actual car stuff, that was interesting. The business side of it. The race itself was kind of interesting. Well, yeah, no, the the second, crashes were phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, the second half of the film, it really does hit the road literally yeah. and, and runs and, and it becomes engaging. I'll give it that. And the countryside racing is phenomenal. And like you said, the, the crash scenes. Are it's, I always great. get the feeling with these guys, with, with guys like Michael Mann and Ridley Scott, and stuff, it's, like they have to, it's like the studios have to make a deal with the devil. They're like, we want the car crash stuff. And he's like, well, I'll give you the car crash stuff if you let me put all this family drama, horse shit, <laughs> yeah. Oscar fodder in there. And they're like, uh, well, okay. I, you know, and then they, 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 they do the thing where they go, well, okay, anything, anything under 100 minutes you've got complete control over. If it goes over 100, we'll step in. Yeah, yeah. But now, <laughs> thanks to Tarantino and Ridley Scott and all these, and uh, actually, Christopher Nolan, they don't have those deals anymore. I think it's thanks to Michael Mann. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably you know, right. He's yeah. the guy that, that, that pushed Letterbox onto VHS. Like, yeah. you know, he really put a lot of strings. He's the Christopher Nolan of his day, really. <laughs> yeah, the man right. who gave us Miami Vice, the TV series. <laughs> yeah. Great show that it was. And is, The Keep. Uh, and The Keep. <laughs> It's time to lace up and hydrate and stretch it out because we're entering the physical zone. Here's your instructor, Jared Garm. Gentlemen, is that better? That, that's you much better. That I'm, it's an absolute pleasure to be here today to uh, to take you through the physical realm and put you through the, uh, the stretches and into the game. Uh, it's a big week for home entertainment, like probably the last big week of the year because at the moment all the distributors are pushing out all the big key titles ahead of Christmas. Obviously, they want to guarantee they get them in stores and get the you know, shelf space. Well, let's face it, there's not many stores that are actually going to be stocking them physically. 
And on a note, I don't know if I brought it up last week when I was chatting with Ben, but I've noticed that Amazon are now stocking less Australian product. I think I think it was actually the week prior when I was mm. speaking to both of you guys. And it's it's a repeat. Like there's so many big releases that have come out of late that Amazon aren't stocking, including like Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is just mind blowing. Mm. Uh, that said, they're yeah. obviously stocking the international releases, but just not the local releases. So yeah, it's getting it's getting harder and harder to find local product, and it's no surprise also that we're not seeing that many pre-orders uh, launch ahead of next year. At the moment, you know, I've got tentative release dates for stuff, but pre-orders aren't really live on the internet. Mm. And the question of who's going to be releasing certain Universal and Sony product when we're going to see those titles filter through all interactive distribution like Five Nights at Freddy's. Universal's dropping that this week on digital, premium VOD, but at this point in time, there's no physical release date for it. Again, mind-blowing considering this is now Blumhouse's most successful film at the global box office to date, Yeah, uh, and there's no physical release date. But in any case, this week we've got some physical releases. In some instances, possibly the last that we'll see for some time the first one i want to mention is blue beetle uh it's the dc superhero film that kind of came and went without a fuss my friend uh simon harcourt uh he he watched it recently and he he described it as bland and frantic and i oh. think that sounds fairly accurate I'm, and it sounds I'm like kinda, 101 i'm kind of keen to see it i was listening to another podcast and they were talk they were talking about how the guy who directed it, he was one of the big, the big kind of losers of the pandemic because his first film was like this Sundance hit that, and just as it was supposed to get its release, COVID hit and it just got dumped out. Then he comes back with Blue Beetle as his big studio film. There's a strike and he gets, you know, the theatrical- oh, Of course they can't do, yeah, they can't do part, half the marketing in that for it. And this poor guy is just like now he's too big maybe only chances yeah yeah um at you know getting out there and and kind of starting a career have been totally quashed by circumstances completely beyond his and the studio's control well maybe yeah. not the studios i'd be curious to see yeah what the the sundance film is because again it's another one of these cases it sounds like a studio taking you know an indie director and putting them in charge of a big studio production and you know obviously not only the whole strike and whatnot i think the superhero fatigue played a part big time in people not wanting to see this and it's a shame you're thinking that these indie directors at the moment you know it's great to make a quick buck but do you really want to do this as your you know your next feature your you know your your next big step you know and what, a, what uh, an interesting what an learning. interesting time for like james gunn to come on board as the new guy at dc because he's entering the the that area right as everyone's done with it like <laughs> absolutely he, he's anymore. gonna have to do something pretty special to reinvigorate it and i yeah. mean yeah he's he's proven that he can make interesting and you know refreshing superhero films but when you're taking on an entire slate and you're really only acting as the head, you know, yeah, maybe if he was writing and directing them all, sure. But the fact that he's basically just in charge of, you know, production, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so I haven't seen Blue Beetle, but it is coming out on 4K Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, and this one only has three featurettes on it. So nothing major. They are pretty extensive featurettes, though. 
Uh, and the Dolby Atmos track is available on the 4K as well as the Blu-ray, which is pretty good. In all honesty, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie. I still haven't watched The Flash and I actually want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but Blue Beetle, I can happily, yeah, I'll give that one a miss. Now, the next one I want to mention might be one of the last Sony titles we see for a while, and it's the Equalizer 3. And that's coming out on 4K Blu-ray and DVD. As is the case with Sony, however, you're only going to get Dolby Atmos on the 4K. They like to keep it as a sort of premium, you know, sort of thing for the 4K release. However, it does have a lot of special features. There's deleted scenes, I think about 20 minutes worth. There's five featurettes and even a music video on there. And uh, I believe there's a specialist retailer out there that's got a steel book as well, if that's your kind of thing. But but yeah, I'm keen. I'm actually really keen to check this one out. I didn't do the digital rental of it during that whole Black Friday period. So I'll probably, I'll probably end up picking it up and I'll probably pick it up around the Christmas period, maybe when uh, there's a sale out there and I can get it for a little less than retail. Cause I don't want to pay 40 bucks sight unseen for a film, but given I like the previous two, I'm yeah. pretty sure I'll it's like fun. this third installment. It's a lot of fun. I'm shocked Excellent. that music videos are still like a thing <laughs> that come out with movies, even, you know, I'm, yeah, I know it's baffling. Like I, cause you rarely see music videos in this day and age unless you're seeing them on YouTube or they play in the background of your Apple Music or Spotify or something of that nature. It's it's kind of like a, a completely dead art, the music video, in terms of crossing it over with a film. Although, it, you know, we're a, lot, we're a lot older now. Like, when we were young, like, we were all over music because we are interested in the videos. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, look, I, I, I only want to see them if, like Denzel Washington is there sick like you know like yes a... yes like um yeah. like Billy Ocean yeah like yes Billy Ocean. and if they've yes. got synchronized dancing and or something I'm Chevy totally in Simon. for that yeah I want to yes see, yes see I'm in for of, that you know the cast of Equalizer 3 you know getting down to whatever I can't I can't even think of what the music was was not uh super impactful no that that's why they've stuck the music video on there because they're hoping oh, to get a few no. more streams on the old that, Spotify. What's, what's the name of that famous Italian song from the seventies? It has no actual lyrics. Like he just sings gibberish. That it's got to be that. Oh, that one where he made up the language. Yeah, yeah, be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll look forward to checking it out eventually. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Song? Have you heard of no, this? No, no. This guy, he was convinced that at the time in Italy that they just loved anything American. They didn't give a shit what it was about. <laughs> Just the fact that it was it was uh, English language or yeah. American was enough. So he just made up this song with full of nonsense words. Like he just. But that's all, amazing. I will. I'll end this video with that video. That. It is oh, a, fantastic! It is fantastic. Clip. And it went to number one. Like it was. He did it as a joke, and it was this you know massive hit in Italy. It's a killer song. It's a killer, it's a killer song. song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm very keen. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember that? It was like a commercial. I think it was like, it was obviously, I, I don't know if it was Norwegian or something commercial that came out in the early 90s. And it was always on one of those, you know, greatest, you know, commercials ever. And it was the family driving in a car and they're all singing like, I'm going to fuck you in the ass. I'm going to fuck you in the ass. That's what it reminds me of. And they were just like gleefully singing it as a family. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, Equalizer 3. The other one I want to mention is The Expendables. Not to be confused with The Expendables, which is also available uh, in the trouser department of your local retailer. But The Expendables 4 is coming on Home Entertainment. Roadshow are releasing it and they're actually doing it on 4K Blu-ray and DVD. And this one's actually got loaded with special features. It's probably the first 
like new release title in a while that's actually got an audio commentary track on it. In addition to that, it's got, uh, I think, two featurettes and a trailer. But the good news is the Dolby Atmos on the 4K and Blu-ray also. <laughs> Maybe I should catch up with these movies over yeah. the Christmas do break. You, look, you know? Do you reckon that this is going to get a fifth instalment? Because if it doesn't, then I might even invest in the, the four-pack. But if, if the there's going to be a fifth yeah. one, like, I don't want a four-pack well, like, only to have a fifth one come along. It's, it's, if, if, it's, if it's selling on digital, maybe... Maybe, and maybe if, if there's physical sales, because I, I don't think anyone saw it theatrically. It kind of came yeah. and went. I believe this new one is like a, a passing of the baton and that Statham's taking over the franchise now. And wasn't there talk at a point they were going to do a female Expendables? Expand, yeah? No? It, I think yeah, I read it was, that. It was called the, ex, it was called the Expendables. B-E-L-L-E-S. Ah, and then nothing happened with that. That sort of... Yeah, they saw what happened with uh, Ghostbusters and then they're like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> These movies don't make enough money for us to make any less so maybe we just nix that idea i'm 100 percent with glenn on this because i i've got my like my indiana jones box set with crystal skull in it and now i'm like well what am i going to do i've got two planet of the apes movies that are in a style and then the third one in a completely different style which upsets me no end yep it really gets the ocd going so they yeah. need to let us know what the planned yeah, totally. So, you know, I, I rarely buy any sets. I tend to buy individually. And then even then you're kind of cursed by the fact that they'll change the packaging design, you know, or they come out through different distributors. Or even recently, I just picked up the new uh, Evil Dead film, Evil Dead Rise. I finally picked it up. I got it during the Black Friday sale. Got it for like maybe $16. And I was pretty happy with that. Anyway, it was pictured with the slip cover. Not that I'm big on slips but I just happen to own every other Evil Dead film on 4K with a slipcover. And then this thing comes along and it's got no slipcover. And then I'm all like, I bought this one. It doesn't even have the commentary. I just bought it because it was cheap. And now it doesn't even, and that kind of, that, that bugs me a little. Like that bugs me a little. But do you get rid of all the other slips? Do you get rid of the slips or do you? Well, I could probably sell them and make a good, good amount of money, you know? But uh, anyway, such is life. Now, the last two releases I do want to mention, I won't go into too great a detail. The first one's Retribution that's coming out from Studio Canal with Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. You did an interview with the director. Was it? Yep. What's Nimrod the name Antel. of Ah, oh, that's right. Nimrod yep. Antel. Yep. Um, I watched this because I didn't realize this went from theaters and then within like maybe less than a month, went to Prime just yep. as normal streaming content, well ahead of the physical release. I was shocked to see it on yeah. there. Yeah. and realized I didn't have to pay extra to watch it. I watched it and I enjoyed it, you know. I didn't realize at the time that it was a remake or the fact that there had already been like maybe three remakes yes. prior to this one coming along. Yeah. It was fine, you yeah. know, it was it was enjoyable enough. It was great to watch on Prime. But yeah, it's finally coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, which is cool. And then the last one I want to mention is one that I think you guys are going to be delighted about. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 on um, Blu-ray and DVD. No 4K for this one. And it does retain that theatrical key art that I know you both love. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> um, that's happening. Backing, backing up a bit, um, speaking of Liam Neeson, did you see this week that um, he's making Ice Road 2 in Walhalla in Victoria, that town that no. I recently took photos in? Damn, no, I, haven't, I haven't seen the first one. I think it's one of the few Liam Neeson ones I haven't seen of his like, recent stint of like endless action like movies. Yeah, so this one... Yeah, all right, I'll definitely check so it out. Cause, while, yeah. while Hala's going to be standing in for Nepal, I think, because this is all about a bus ah. accident on, in the mountains of Nepal and it's a rescue sort of story. Oh, that's interesting. Have you ever seen any of the videos or photos on the internet about Liam Neeson 
you know, apparently likes to go out and have a bit of a drink, but he we've, also we've uses, had this conversation on yeah, the show before. Yeah, uses his <laughs> pants as a toilet. Yeah. Showed me. yeah, yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. Like it's it's it seems like it's a it's a legit thing. But bless him, you know. What I mean, like he's getting a photo with a fan, you know, regardless, and he, he must be a, conscious of the fact that have, you know, uh, full blown AIDS, right? So. Yes, <laughs> that's all I could keep saying because Retribution is an action-packed film. is a fairly slow-paced action film. Uh, you know, it's pretty much set entirely in the car to a degree. Yep. Uh, and all I could help but do was every now and again quote, you know, I've got AIDS, full-blown AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrific. But so it is a good good week of releases across, you know, home entertainment, and there is. There is more releases coming out next week, but these are the big key releases prior to Christmas. And then, yeah, I'm dead curious to see how next year will fare up in terms of releases. I mean, the indies have told us what's coming, and I know a handful of the big studio titles coming. But, yeah, it's an it's an interesting time. One thing I didn't raise, actually, that I, I think I might have spoken to you guys uh, privately about was the fact that I didn't realise that Universal and Sony had left... Well, sorry, Sony had left the UK market so now Sony is only releasing theatrically in the UK and sub-licensing their home entertainment to different vendors. Mm. So yeah, it's a strange time. They the last last release they had was the Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse movie. Uh, they haven't had anything since, and No Hard Feelings is coming out in January through another distributor. So yeah, it's an interesting time because it feels like we're throwing back to how it all started once upon a time, where these studios with theatrical distributors but not home entertainment distributors and sub-licensed it so yeah, it's kind yeah. of done this whole you know i don't know 360 180 180 360 <laughs> i don't know done one or the other but a anyway turnabout, a turnabout. Yeah, it's a, it's turned it's turned about but anyway gentlemen that is awesome. all i have for you this week so until next time stay, stay physical, physical. All right, well, thank you to Jarrett there because that is actually the last PE class of the year in that form. He's going to give us a bit of a rundown of what's coming out over the summer on our final episode, which is next week, Ben. Final episode of the year. I can't believe it's here already. I know. I kind of, I can't believe it and I'm grateful at the same time. I am looking forward to the promise <laughs> that the show is over. We're on break till March. Yep. And then... <laughs> Possibly by the 23rd of December Getting the thing I've been thinking about next year's show <laughs> With all your ideas Yeah, that'll probably happen <laughs> Like, well, I'm not going to talk about the show Until at least February oh, No fuck, That's not possible <laughs> Not con- considering I-, I am committed to doing some kind of stuff in between Like, yeah. just little things I get bored and I Well, like we, got, we are going to do our secret uh, Not secret, our top yes. 10 of the year thing In the new year Plus and- another secret episode that we've got planned. But mm. anyway, let's um, jump into the Facebook thing that we do where we ask you a question. And this week it was, no rules, curate your ultimate double feature and kind of in brackets, make us want to be there. All right? So oh, I, that's what I put out to Facebook. We had some comments. Who do you think was first out of the gate? Uh, who could it be? <laughs> if you're thinking Brody Kane, <laughs> you'd be correct. I'm hoping it's Brody. Yeah. So he suggested frailty and pin. And now what a fucking banger! He of added a, a plastic-coated nightmare double feature of how not to parent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the trick. <laughs> Maybe with Pin, it's been a long time since I've pe- t- seen Pin. But in Frailty, well, I don't want to spoil no. it. But Frailty is <laughs> the way, best way to parent. Yeah. Bill um, Paxton's on the money. TJ Bowser, podcast host from the states, has chimed in with this. I love this one. 
Two trauma acquired titles, Blades and Bloodhook. And Bloodhook, yeah, yeah right. I'd, I'd love to see that. In fact, I've got them, so I should just do it at home and double feature. <laughs> I've got Bloodhook. Yeah. I don't have Blades. So good. I love Blades. There's Jaws on a golf course. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, our good mate Simon Harcourt came in with Armadeus and Showgirls 2. They, <laughs> pennies from heaven, they <laughs> naturally go together. Mm. <laughs> I do like. I mean, if the goal was if the goal was to make me want to be there, Simondo has achieved that goal. <laughs> then we had Marcy Papandrea chime in with she no had some good ones, no retreat, no surrender, and the Last Dragon. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I I will note right now that it's clear you've been paying attention this week. I have. Uh, <laughs> I always. Secretly, I always pay attention. It's just that my memory's so bad that five minutes after I do, I can't remember it's it. It's easier to say you weren't paying attention. Yeah, much easier. It's my <laughs> shtick. <laughs> so they're good ones. Oh, no retreat, no surrender. I'd love to see that on the big screen. That Look, two faux Bruce Lee <laughs> uh, instructed martial arts movies. Yep. One with a great, uh, with, with a great dance uh, sequence. Well, actually, no, both of them have, a great, <laughs> have great dance sequences. The best thing about The Last Dragon is... I don't know the I don't know the actor's name, but he ended up playing Lord Bowler in Briscoe County Junior, the Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. TV series. But he's like the show nuff, the Shogun of Harlem. Yeah. He is one of my all time <laughs> favorite characters in cinema history. Awesome. Well, thanks for that one, Marcy. Good to see you on our page there. James Thomas chimed in with. Um, <laughs> I'll read out what he said. Going to go with something light, so this classic, and he's done brain donuts. Nice. Uh, and then The Chaser is Bergman's The Seventh Seal. <laughs> <laughs> Both go-to movies depending on my mood. I would have thought he would have done Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and The Seventh Seal. <laughs> yeah. Like that, 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 that that's a, a double. double. That certainly is. But Brain Donuts is a bang. I like Best three out of five. Damn right. <laughs> uh, Aston Elliott came in with Billy Jack and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cliff Booth double feature. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a banger. Yeah. Oh, hang uh, on, which Billy Jack was it? Uh, d- just Billy Jack. Billy Jack, because the first one, the first one's actually called Born Losers, mm. and it is fucking extreme. It's great. It's a real, but it's a really like the ending of no, <laughs> of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It, it has some sho- real shocking stuff in it, but it's great. And then Cameron Doncaster weighed in. I guess he might be dyslexic or something because he must have read uh, Triple Feature, not Double. So he's gone Reform School Girls. Dracula sucks and stiff competition. Yeah, yeah. And two of the I think the last two are pornos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that's what we would expect. And he's, there's photos of them. There's photos. Yeah, of them. so he yeah. does own them. <laughs> two, three vinegar syndrome. Two vinegar syndrome releases. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Thank you everybody for chiming in. Um, that is the last one we will ask you to comment on until the new year. So thank you much. Appreciate that. Let's um really build on that next year and, and get a lot of interaction with you guys. But. How about you and I go back and forth with some of our ultimate double features, Ben? This is really weird, this part. I found I found the no rules aspect of it really difficult. It's <laughs> like when somebody asks me what's your you know, what's your favorite film or what's your ten favorite films? I'm like, oh, I can't even think. I, there's too many. Now mine are themed, right? But there's no rules on which <coughs> direction we can theme yeah. it. Like it's just pretty much your dream. Your dream double feature. I just was kind of like, what movies am I kind of in the mood to watch now? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my third one, my third double feature is not going to come as any surprise. But um, let's kick it off. I'll go first. I want to see. And Zach at the Astor, if you're listening, we want it. <laughs> we want these programmed. A good movie Monday calendar would be great. Let's start with 1987's Walk Like a Man. Yeah, right. 
backed up with the wrong guys from 1988. <laughs> so we've got Walk Like a Man with Howie Mandel, Christopher Lloyd, Colleen Camp, Cloris Leachman and Amy Steele. I believe named after a uh, Four Seasons song. Yeah, and it's um, it's all about a guy that gets lost in the wilderness as a baby and he comes back having been raised by wolves and he has to be sort of you know, uh, taught how to be a man. Very funny movie. And the wrong guys, of course, Louis Anderson, Richard Belzer, Richard Lewis, Tom Thomason, John Goodman, Franklin AJ, like it is just a who's who of comics at the time. They're all dressed up as Boy Scouts on the front cover. Yeah, that's right. And, and they get together for their Boy Scout reunion. Yeah. Um, very funny movie, something that I used to love as a child and I just would love to see those back to back. At, on the big screen. On the big screen. Because that the whole premise behind the wrong guys was they all work at the comic store or wherever it was. They they wondered why they weren't getting movie offers and they thought, well, let's just all make our own movie. And yeah. that's what it was. It's an odd one to make under those circumstances. Yeah. But you know, go for when it. they could have made vibes. Like, but it's like a PG movie. It is yeah. a family-friendly comedy. Like, And these are R-rated comics. Like, very odd. But that is... Hollywood has a history of... of Doing this, like, and I, I kind of always point to David, Sp- the careers of David Spade and Rob Schneider, yeah, yeah. who kind of made their names by being, you know, adult comics too, yeah. And then they put them in these films where they're the like the lovable doofus. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I just like them because they had a smart mouth. Mm, yeah. And now you're putting them in stuff where they don't have the smart mouth. Corky, yeah. Rem- like all those SNL movies, mm. really. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You know, they just try and reach the widest demographic well, I mean, possible. Even Adam Sandler, you know, kind of family friendly movies. Well, that's how he started. But in between, yeah. he has these R-rated albums, like really, really X almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Featuring those guys. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, look, I've got a couple. I've got a bunch of these, but I, <laughs> I've gone with with classics, mm-hmm. with movie classics, because I, I I love them, and I'm, I've gone on a bit of a bent lately. So I'm going to start things off with Alfred Hitchcock's Thirty Nine Steps. Wow. Followed by Fritz Lang's Ministry of Fear. Jesus. Like serious movies. They're both fucking. Great. They both have to do with um, spy rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Thirty Nine Steps is like the. That's a task. That's a task going to that double feature. No, they're 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 they're, they're like you know, I think they're seventy five eighty minutes. No, they're films. great films. I love both of them. But yeah. like to me, that's a task going to watch. You know, classic movies. I don't know. Really, it's a harder watch than something contemporary. I find that most. I find that most of the time, I find these a lot easier to watch than. than Maybe what like makes it stuff. a task for me is I've been with audiences, modern audiences, with those type of films, and I can hear the like the chatter and the the, yeah. the restlessness. Well, they're all wrong. <laughs> yes. Why are you fucking there in the first place? But Ministry of Ministry of Fear, like you know, if there's anyone who who's comparable to Hitchcock, it is Fritz Lang. Totally. This movie, like the, the premise, the, the the whole setup of this film is that Stuart Granger is been uh, in a mental institution. The film starts with him being released the day of his release from a mental institution where he's been locked up for two years. For and they don't really disclose why. Mm-hmm. And he decides that he's going to go back to... It's set in the UK. Goes, he's going to go back to London. And on the way to the train station, there's a little kind of county fair raising money for like war orphans. Mm-hmm. And he stops in and like they, they've got this cake guessing competition. Like you have to guess the weight of this cake. And everyone's super happy with the cake because it's made with real eggs because this is during... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know... Hard times. The shortages. Mm. And uh, he then he gets pushed by these this elderly woman to go and get his fortune read in this fortune teller's tent. And he does. And she says, look, you know, I only tell you the past and the present because it's illegal for me to tell you the future. Yeah. And she kind of says something and he kind of sets him off and he said, oh, forget about that. Just tell me my future. And she's like, oh, 
well, in that case, you must go back to the cake guessing competition and tell them that it's four pounds and 15 ounces. And he's like, uh, okay. Just thinking, yep. you know. So he goes back to try it. costs him, you know, a penny or whatever it is. And he guesses it right. And just as he does, this other guy comes in, goes straight to the fortune teller tent and comes out and they all, uh, you know, everyone kind of realizes he gets, he wins the cake and he's just, as he's about to leave. This other guy turns up and then they, the quickly the organizers of the thing, I run after him and go, sorry, you actually didn't get the closest number. The cake was actually this other weight and it belongs to that guy over there. And he's like, oh, well, in that case, no, I still got it right because his first guess mm. happened to be closer than the other guys. And it just sets up this massive chain of events. Uh, and it turns out to be this international like Nazi spy ring that he's stumbled into because he's just walked into this fair <laughs> and won a cake. It's just amazing. There's seances and yeah, and uh, you know chases and bombings and black like people getting trapped in fallout shelters and stuff. It's just this amazing film. His films also really good to look at. Like yeah, stylish. Yeah. yeah, really stylish. Yeah. Like even in black and white. Like I I just Especially watched it on my yeah. last time I saw it. I watched it on my projector screen which yep. is like a hundred hundred mm. inch perfect yeah perfect oh, for it awesome well i'm <laughs> backing up that amazing <laughs> double feature with a movie from 1989 called meet the hollow heads Ooh. and i'm backing that up or doubling that up with meet the deedles oh, right, i've never so heard of meet the hollow heads meet the hollow heads it is batshit bonkers so i'll tell you the cast it's john glover in the lead juliet lewis plays his daughter you got bobcat goldthwaite and ramsey Scott Donovan, um, Joshua John Miller from Near Dark. And it's essentially like a modern Jetsons. So it's a futuristic (laughs) family. It's got a really stodgy production design, almost like like Pluto Nash. You know, that weird sort of, um, it's a soundstage, but it's not made to look real at the same time. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. And it's just this crazy family that, that have all these futuristic things. I think they've got a robot made, if my memory serves me. And John Glover just going over the top. If you thought him in Gremlins 2 was over the top, in this he's really <laughs> over the top. And Meet the Deedles needs no explanation. Like it's just a really fun movie. I think a lot of people have forgotten. Paul Walker. Yeah. What happened to the other guy though? Yeah, I don't know. I actually thought when you first said the first I thought you were going to pair it with the stupids. I almost the... did because <laughs> Meet the Hollow Heads is very much like, like the, the stupids. stupids. And that's the first thing that did come to my mind when I put this together. And then I thought, no, I'll do the meat, the meat yeah. thing. Meet the Deedles, Meet the Hollow Heads. And I do think Meet the Hollow Heads had a different name in some parts of the world. I just can't remember what it is, but that's how I knew it. Yeah. So there you go. There's a double feature to uh, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Whack those on the big screen, mate. Uh, Look, my second one, I'll go modern for my second one, a bit more modern. And look, none of these are light movies, really. (laughs) I mean, they kind of are. But this is one I would love to see at the Astor. It'll never happen because I'm pretty sure they're different distributors which is the golden rule to double features when you do it at a, at a cinema. But it would be Wonder Boys and Finding Forrester. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two movies yeah. about writing, two movies that basically inspire you to want to write. Yep. And they're both excellent. <laughs> I love them both. They're both great. One, you know, one of the, one of the latter Sean Connery films in Finding Forrester and what pr- I would arguably say... Probably Michael Douglas's last great <laughs> yeah. film. Like he's been in some good stuff since, but this would be his last great one. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that one. I mean, it's based on a book that won a Pulitzer, I think. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Michael Chambon. Well, okay. So this is the one that is no surprise to anybody that's listening that has been listening throughout the years. I am going to simply 
do an office favourite. Warlock Armageddon and Hellraiser 3. <laughs> they are behind me on every episode say, we record. While you're saying this, the posters are literally behind you. Yes, and therefore I stare at them every day because opposite me, behind Ben, is a mirror. Yeah. Right? So I'm looking at those posters every day. I adore the films, both directed by Anthony Hickox, who passed away this year. Um, Julian Sands passed away this year. I just think this is a great double banger. Whack them on the big screen. See, whereas I would like to see Warlock and Hellraiser as a double. Actually, just Warlock. I don't really need to watch Hellraiser again, but maybe Hellraiser 2. Mm. Ooh. I mean, you could do Warlock 1 and 2. That'd be a yeah. double feature right there, but no, 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 no. Because I really like Warlock. I, 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 I don't it. remember Warlock Armageddon. Oh, Warlock I'm, 1 is fantastic. It's fantastic, yeah. yeah. Who was it? I um Years ago, I was chatting with... Uh, no, it was David uh, Tui, who you know did Pitch Black and all that. He wrote and, Warlock. Uh, Funnily enough, uh, wrote a large chunk of uh, The Fugitive. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was just watching that, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Making a Fugitive was a shit show YouTube yeah, uh, yeah, channel. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was on the show a couple of years ago and that, I forgot that that conversation was on the show. And I just said to him, um, Warlock, like, you know, that's a movie that I hold very near and dear and he just doesn't want to talk about it at all. Wow. Yeah, I don't think he was that involved. I think his version of the script is probably very, very different to what made it to the film, which quite often is. That's a, I mean, that, that is the big problem when it comes to, especially Hollywood movies, not so much on the indies. Yeah. But regardless of how the Writers Guild work a lot of this shit out, yeah, yeah. Most, a lot of the time the person who's credited for writing it may not have had well, this is it. that much to do with the stuff you like. Because there is not a lot of information on Warlock out there, right? So yeah. you see his name as a writer. You're going to think he's a writer. He's a writer, yeah, know? that's right. Um, anyway, so the, Steve Miner directed that one too, by the way. Like, it's, yeah. yes, It is a really, really good film. All right, your final one. <coughs> Did you just do your final one? Yeah, Hellraiser yeah. and Warlock. That was your final one. Okay, so my final one, okay. it's a tough one. <laughs> I'm, I've, got, I've actually got three. Yep. Three double features. I'm just going to breeze through the last two just quickly just because I did them. Mm -hmm. But my main one is going to be The Quiet Man with John Wayne (laughs) and Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Basically because they both end... With fights that with people fighting through a town. What? Yeah. What an odd double. (laughs) They're both they're both set in Ireland. No rules. They're both set in Ireland. They're both uh, set in Irish small towns, small villages. I've I've been trying to convince former guest on the show, Kate Fitzpatrick, who goes to Ireland regularly because her sister lives there, to visit the Quiet Man Museum because they, where they shot the film, they've actually set up this little museum which is slowly going out of business because nobody remembers the Quiet Man anymore. <laughs> uh, but it is I mean, just I'm like, I'm not going to talk about W. Gill anymore, but Quiet Man, basically the, the premise of the Quiet Man is that John Wayne, American John Wayne, comes over to Ireland to kind of explore his roots there he meets and kind of falls in love with Maureen O'Hara, who has been picked as the potential bride for the local town tough guy, mm-hmm. who scares off any other man that comes anywhere near him. John Wayne, being John Wayne, doesn't give a shit and <laughs> courts her. They kind of fall in love, but every time the guy challenges him to a fight, John Wayne backs down yeah. and doesn't want to fight, refuses to fight. Gets to the point where even Maureen O'Hara is like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Is he a coward? I can't marry a coward. Mm. And then... You know, as the film progresses, it comes out that back in back in New York, John Wayne had gotten into a fight in a bar with somebody and almost, uh, I think, killed them. Yeah, it was self defense, yeah. but he almost goes, to, you know, he almost goes to prison. He almost gets you know charged with murder, so he's sworn off fighting. Yeah, but then, you know, <laughs> it comes <laughs> good. 
decides, you know, sometimes a man has to fight. <laughs> and these two guys literally for I think the last 30, 40 minutes of the film beat the bejesus out of each other <laughs> through the entirety of this Irish village with the entire population of the village standing on the sidelines cheering them on. It is just this amazing film. Love it. Love it. Excellent stuff, mate. And my sorry, just uh, my other two, the ones that I put together. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a war double, the Dirty Dozen, and Where Equals Dare, two of the greatest war mission movies Definitely. ever made. Definitely. And uh, the other one is the I can't remember the guy's name now. The, it's the Myth of the American Sleepover and Under the Silver Lake, both directed by somebody, Mitch Stephen John Bloody, the guy who directed It Follows. Yeah, but <laughs> Mitchell David. Yes, he's a three-namer. He's a three-namer. I think, like as much as I love It Follows, I think it overshadows his other two films, which are just as good, if not better. So you should check them out. I am everything that I said I am. Keep my shit tight, man. Motherfucking Hoover Dam. And I'm cracking anytime soon. My mindset is fine to this where it will be mine soon. Showdown in high noon, sharp as a harpoon. Crash like a monsoon, style like a costume. I'm constantly awesome. Voice fresh as spring, yo, my beats about to blossom. Caution, get out the pit when I'm moshing. My friends are a high, yeah, I'm nice and I got them that way. We bows on parade, my bows full of weed, man. Higher than a pterodactyl, you can call me caveman. California raisin, hear me through the grapevine. Dirty BB days again, but man, I'm feeling just fine. I be out in Vegas while y'all it's just a state line. I ain't never stopping till I finally feel like I got mine. We're never gonna lay down. We ain't going nowhere. You can come and give a try. Our bond is our blood and thicker than water. Like Goonies never say die. Oh, cause Goonies never say oh. Cause Goonies never say die. an avalanche i get stupid when i want to rain man i keep it flowing now i do the rain dance man everybody loves me call me rain man here i go i be getting so high like i standing on my tippy toes spread my wings and fly but i got two arms where my wings should go hungry as an animal tearing down the devil's dough he's selling me a soul for all the lyrics in my arsenal eyes red lungs full half master flagpole i'm about to kill this beat and throw it in a drowning pool airline style cool lyrics fresh jet fuel Track, no looking back, I'm hippie like a hacky sack Smoother than a Cadillac, leave MCs needing medivac Yeah, I lost my ship a bitch, you know I got my passion back Locked inside my temper trap, I'm laughing at your pussycats Cause I ain't never stopping till the top is what I'm looking at We're never gonna lay down, we ain't going nowhere You can come and give a try Our bond is our blood and thicker than water Like Goonies never say die Oh, cause Goonies never say oh Okay, listen up, kiddos. I'm a shark, you're a minnow. Balls on your chin, call your bitch Jay Leno. Don't go swimming, cause your shit sounds minstrel. And we ain't here to play Dr. Dre South Central. Spit my bitch, you it's to make you rub your tits and shit. Have your body moving, shaking hips with thorn fits. Willie's sitting high, just as out of time as nine. Now I'm falling my DeLorean. Marty McFly, yeah, anybody home? Two spliffs to the dome, it's a headshot, dreadnought, noobs get pwned. Yeah, I fucking said it, it was so last year. I got a pack full of gear and a trunk full of beer. We're never gonna lay down, we ain't going nowhere You 
can come and give a try. Our bond is our blood and thicker than water, like Goonies never say die. We're never gonna lay down, we ain't going nowhere. You can come and give a try. Our bond is our blood and thicker than water, like Goonies never say die. Sloth Revenge by the Dirty Heads, a sloth song. I went looking for sloth songs and there were plenty to choose. I'm shocked that you found a sloth song. There's lots. There's lots out there. People love those, uh, the three. I mean, I thought you were going to have to go with maybe the, the, was it the three-toed sloth, the the goodies, (laughs) the goodies song? That was amongst them. That was amongst them. But anyway, tying that in with uh, Slother House, which we will uh, get to that interview shortly. But first, let's do the Asylum one. David uh, Rimori, as I said, about to chat with him. Let's talk about Asylum for a moment. So this is the little independent company that, like I said, they're responsible for the mockbuster. They didn't come up with the term. I think a journalist came up with that and they were stuck with it. Yeah, They kind of embraced it. They don't love it, but I reckon secretly they must. Because like, it's, Anything it's a great that gets term. You, there's no such thing as bad press. No. Especially when you're like a, a small indie making... Movie seeming with a budget, with a, like, what, $100,000 budget or yeah. something? So in this chat, I'm, I, I do bring up the Mockbuster. And if you watch the video interview on our socials next week, you'll see a little bit of frustration in his face when I do it. He's like, oh, okay, yes, okay, Mockbuster. <laughs> 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 yeah. But let's go through the Mockbusters and explain what they are. So this is essentially when Hollywood would bring out a really big movie, they would cash in and bring out a really small movie that, that is very that similar. That apes them, yeah. So we have uh, when Transformers came out, they made Transmorphers. Yep. Uh, when Pacific Rim came out, they made Atlantic Rim. I think that's one of my yeah. favourites. <laughs> and I love yeah. the movie. Atlantic Rim was really good. Okay, well, it can't have been worse than Pacific Rim, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and when Snakes on a Plane came out, they did Snakes on a Train. Snakes on a Train. Was that because it rhymes with plane? Or they just they couldn't con- conceive of a, a more... Because you can jump off a train. Yeah, I know, but you know what? It just rhymes. Like, just why didn't they do like, yeah, they could because, do snakes on a hovercraft? Well, the other thing too is quite often these are mockbusters in title only. Quite yeah. often the stories aren't related at all. Some of them very much are. When Paranormal Activity came out, they did Paranormal Entity. <laughs> but you know what the best thing about Asylum is? Apart, you know, even even outside of the puns and the mockbuster whole thing, mm. whoever whoever does their graphic design, <laughs> whoever does their poster design, is a Freaking genius. Yes. You go to their website. So, theasylum.cc, click on films. It's got every film they've done and all those posters beside each other. It's glorious. Yeah. It's very similar to what um, uh, Charles Band does yeah. with his stuff. Like, quite often the posters are the real draw card. Well, that was the, that was the thing. I think, I think Mark Hartley told me he has a pack of Canon, mm. like a Canon sales thing where they would just... They would just you know, basically come up with a title, do the poster. And then come up with a and, film. And then, yeah, if they got international <laughs> sales to budget, to finance it, yep. then they would make, then they would write the film. Yep. And speaking of that, we do discuss in a moment how they come up with their films. Yeah. I uh, just want to go through these titles because these are fun. Um, Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. We had Alien versus Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. I am Omega. That had Mark Dukaskis in it because if you don't know, I am Legend is sort of, Kind of based on the same book as I uh, as Amiga a Mega Man, Man. yeah. They're, which is funny enough, it's I Am Legend, yeah. Is yeah, the, yeah what they're all based right. on. Yeah. Uh, what else? Android Cop when Robocop came out, oh, but there's one. already Cyborg Cop in the 80s, yeah. That's true, and Gladiator Cop. This one's great. The day the earth stopped, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Top Gunner, that's one of their recent ones. 
Nice. But then, of course, they've made their standalone cash-in sort of, uh, what do you call these? They're just creature feature uh, franchises that aren't mockbusters, actually. So Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus then had a bunch they of did sequels. All of those. Uh, Sharknado had, I think, six films. Two-headed Shark Attack, that went up to, I think, six-headed Shark six, Attack. I think seven, eight-headed Shark Attack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zombies, one and two. Uh, Aquarium of the Dead, which is the sequel to Zombies 1 and 2. <laughs> and then... Uh, the third part of the trilogy. This one's great, Meth Gator. Meth Gator, yeah. yeah. So that obviously was a cocaine bear yeah. rip. Well, because I think... <laughs> I know that... I mean, basically, Asylum are, are the kind of modern version of the drive-in yeah. kind of Al Adamson type, yep. type films. And these things used to do really good... Used to do really good business. I remember in the UK and in the US at Walmart, where they were like ten bucks. Yep. And people who like Insomniacs used to buy them mm-hmm. pre Netflix, and then Netflix came along, and they did really well in the early days of Netflix, when Netflix was buying, mm-hmm. you know, trash, trash, but you know, like cheaper libraries just to flesh out their service. And then they now they've all been dropped off, and now these movies are like you have to thank thank God for Tubi. Well, I mean, yeah, that's right. Because, you know, that's where you can see a lot of this stuff um, yeah, I believe Vulorium. <laughs> and Vul- yeah, Vulorium. <laughs> Whatever their name is now, they've changed their name. The interesting thing is that Hollywood actually tried to sue them in the early days. When Transmorphers came out, Spielberg tried to take them and didn't win simply because they argued Hollywood has been doing this for years already, yeah. and they have. But even so, like the whole, the basic tenet of copyright protection is that parody is 100% allowed. It is the major exception to the copyright law. These movies are 100% parody. Yep, absolutely. So they they, they were the victors in that yeah. one. And David Rimmery himself, he came from Roadshow in Australia. He was like an executive at Roadshow before he packed up and went to Hollywood to start the asylum. Right, so, so he's an Aussie. Uh, no, he's an American that came here I as, came a, here. as yeah, an right. executive. Anyway, as you can guess, the asylum is a fantastic deep dive that's well worth taking. Here's a chat, fascinating stuff, and then um, we'll see you on the other side. Um, well, thanks for making time. Like, I'm really chuffed to be chatting with you, if I'm being honest. I've I've been singing the Asylum's praises for over 15 years, I think since Transmorphers and Alien vs. Hunter came out. Like, I've been on board. <laughs> I think the fact that you guys are still kicking ass is incredible. Um, I hold you up with, like, you know, Roger Corman and Lloyd Kaufman as these sort of indie demigods. Like, I really, really love what you do. Has the Asylum become so much bigger than you anticipated when you began? Um, you know, uh, let's just say that um, I w- we weren't certain going into it that we were going to build uh, the recognizable brand that we have. And again, I don't know how wide it is if, uh, if it is as far-reaching as Troma and Corman, but we're certainly in great company. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I used to own a video store, and I reckon I personally kept you guys in business because I had multiple copies of everything you had on my shelf. <laughs> was it Video Easy, or uh, was it Block? Oh, it was, okay. Yeah, it was a Video Easy store, and I um I went independent and then became my own store and just dealt personally through, um or directly through Peacock, who you were dealing with at the time. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah um and your latest one megalodon the frenzy like it's an absolute banger it's probably the most fun that the megalodon movies have been do you find that people are still lapping up the shark stuff what is it about sharks so first of all yes and um i think um 
uh, we've definitely moved toward what we're calling a more realistic uh, shark movie, more, moreover, and less the Sharknado. Um, but, um, you know, um, an incredible villain, uh, you know, great lines, great look, the black eyes. Um, we know what it is. And um, it's unapologetic. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we make it a little more um, uh, man hungry than maybe it really is. But uh, <laughs> yeah. do you like? Do you get out to conventions at all? Like, how do you how do you gauge what the um, what the fans are after? Like, what made what made you want to switch to the more realistic as opposed to the Sharknados? Right. Well, first of all, you know, of course, we saw. Um, you know, with ratings and uh, 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 maybe certain companies, certain territories weren't, um, maybe we'll pass on Sharknado 6. But, you know, so we're, <laughs> we're seeing that. Uh, so, we're like, we knew we rung it dry. Um, but, um, you know, we're noticing perhaps, you know, maybe I'll give some uh, definitely strong credit to uh, not only the shadows, but, you know, um, uh, um how many miles deep uh i forget the yeah uh, 47 <laughs> 47 <laughs> a, a clearly summer and and i have to give of course to discovery clearly the summer belongs to sharks and remains that way yeah uh, we were just a very we're just a very small part of it but um they continue to be uh huge hits for us and, and others who are in them yeah absolutely and and people you know i don't know whether you you embrace it or not but people have you know suggested that the asylum is synonymous with mockbusters. does that sit well with you or do you hold it proudly okay so um yeah you know i i think uh um as i understand it, my partner um uh paul bales um david latz also a third partner uh but paul uh he knows the uh publication that first um coined the phrase might have times but um and so in relation to us so we have to own it um it's not what i use all the time you know on work yeah. drafting or uh but a uh, mockbuster we we definitely uh have embraced and do own it um but uh number one as you well know it's not a strategy we came up with at all it's something no. that uh, that was there in AIP back in the day in Corman, of course. Um, and, um, you know, we even say like news does it, um, uh, you know, uh, if there's, um, uh, you know, even NPR, when Barbie came out, they had their own, you know, the true story <laughs> of Barbie. It, um, these huge marketing budgets create an interest and an awareness and yep. then you just uh jump on board yeah absolutely i mean we that's a regular conversation on our show is um we go right back to the you know the 40s when hollywood was you know piggybacking off each other all the studios and whatnot it's it's nothing new um so this question applies to i guess all of the asylum movies but projects like megalodon come about um how does it happen like do you have a brainstorm session um is there like, do you get word that another Hollywood movie's coming out? Here's what we can maybe do. How does it all come together? Okay, so um, one answer is yes. We do see what's coming out. Um, 
primarily, you know, from the major studios, but also it could be um, some event. Um, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, the, the conspiracy theorists were going crazy with 2012 being the end of the world. And boy, did we uh, do quite well with that. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think primarily... Um, uh, what makes the most sense for us and, and the distributors we work with, the platforms, is if um, it's based on a big studio film because, again, there's an awareness that's created and an interest and all forms of media, including us, uh, you know, um, tag along. Um, the other answer is that um, uh, in actuality, it isn't like we're going into a brain, you know, a... Um, uh isn't as if we're going into um you know a session internally where we come up with these ideas mm. brains um it's really that we have conversations with our um our buyers primarily our um japanese distributor we've been working with at least 15 years probably more um and uh they'll tell us you know what about a zombie zoo and that's how we came up with zombies and look <laughs> with two heads that's how two-headed shark attack came about and the many sequels um so it's often conversations from our buyers uh, yeah right i better, certain, I better be careful not to let any ideas slip here like <laughs> you might take them <laughs> um so your director um brendan pertrizzo i think his name is He's done a That's great correct. job on this one. He's made a few films for you guys. How do you select directors? Is it whoever isn't currently on a production um, or do you have people in mind for each one? Let me talk about him. Um, okay. He works at the studio himself. Um, uh, he, he uh, let's call him a, you know, an original fanboy, And he'll tell me, yeah, I remember when I, you know, rented and watched this one and this one. And I'm like, oh, I apologize. I know we screwed up on that one. He's like, <laughs> will be for that one. And, um, um specifically with him uh it's it's come to the point where if i can't remember you know a movie uh, that we did uh, 17 years ago he'll be go oh that's that one and so um um uh somewhere along the way in you know in uh working on our sets he said look let me direct one and uh you know he knows the model so well and the um the rich history that mm. uh that he's become one of our regulars but really, it is um, the avenue of coming from um, editing, acting, direct, um, uh, DPing, uh, so that um, avenue, or we meet people along the way, and mm. uh, they, uh, they're they ready to uh, take that leap, the first one, or they've been around and maybe they want to do something. Yeah. Uh, fast and fun i'm actually really good mates with michael sue who's one of your newer directors um i still haven't seen his new transmorphers yet but i'm dying to but um yeah i've known him for 12 years or so now so i was really excited to see him on board did he tell you that right now he's shooting snow white and the seven samurai uh, <laughs> no but um i know he's on something but he hasn't revealed that that's exciting <laughs> particularly excited about that one because it's sort of more of an action movie which we don't do a lot of so yeah yeah and snow white is all the talk at the moment so <laughs> you're definitely on the right right um 
train there. So your talent here, you've got Eric Roberts and Caroline Williams. They're your draw card names for for Megalodon. Um, the Asylum is so famous for boasting similar kinds of names, you know, throughout the catalogue. As a movie lover, do you geek out whenever these people rock up on set? So first of all, of course I do. <laughs> Um, at this point in time, my partners and I, we spend little to no time on set. And unfortunately, uh, I don't, you know, I rarely get to meet them. Mm. I do make it to Comic-Con and we, you know, uh, we bring some actors along there and that's when I finally get to meet them. And they're like, oh, you're the guy who's saying <laughs> no, to you're the guy who's, uh, not paying us more. No, but, uh, but um, you know, definitely, uh, I'm a true fan and, you know, I'm shaking in my shoes as I talk to them when I meet them, but um, it's pretty amazing. And all I want to do is sit there and have them tell me stories about back in the day. Totally. That'd be me. I mean, have any of them sort of exceeded your expectations as far as being like decent human beings? <laughs> let me, um, let me tell a brief story before I answer that one, which I will as well. Please. Uh, uh, <laughs> the brief story is, um, uh, going back, maybe going back to the question is, um, it's like, uh, sci-fi wanted to have, um, us do a movie with, or instead of Roger Corman, which was going to be Sharktopus. And, um, uh, he's like, screw them. I know how to make a movie. Uh, so we didn't get to, but I was all excited. I said, well, can we get to meet him anyway? And we did have lunch and I wanted to hear all these stories. But all he wanted to talk about is, look, could you guys do some CGI for us? Just <laughs> not reminiscing, just wanted to see, you know. Uh, kind Down of, to business. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, one someone that comes to mind, I don't know how exciting this is because there isn't a great genre. Um, he's not rich in a great genre history, but I will say that uh, we worked with, and not on a movie, we brought him to... A, a red box, which is a, uh, you know, it's a physical um, uh, vending machine that yep. we have. They might have tried it in Australia. I don't know. They did. Uh, didn't travel. Um, but anyway, uh, we took it to an event there. Took him, and this is Jim Belushi, and he um, jumped on stage, uh, uh, jammed with the band. And he, he just was someone who, and unlike a lot of who you meet in Hollywood, including me, you know, just whatever he said and felt, that was it. I, I have to say, so uh, Jim Belushi definitely comes to mind there. But there have been um, so many and some that we just end up having, you know, friendships with over the time. I will say that my partner, David Latt, who um, handles production, he, of course, has a much uh, uh, closer relationship with the cast. He's there on set more often and, you know, usually uh, extend the hands to meet them, meet them and so on. Yeah, I mean, that's a great position to be in. There's been some incredible people that have passed through your doors. Uh, Ronnie Cox is a big one for me. Like, I would love to have uh, met him. Did not meet him, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, before we wrap up, one final question for you. Do you have a personal favourite Asylum movie? Okay, so I think um, I should update my answer, but I know that uh, one that I have always sort of, uh, uh, you know, said, you know, sort of, uh, uh, um, as, as, a, as a viewer, as a fan, I'm more excited about than, you know, maybe others. Um, and it's going to be surprising because I do love romantic comedies, and yep. the only time 
able to get into that, aside from some Hallmark movies, is when we did these sexy comedies. And we did one called Number One Cheerleader Camp. Yep, I've got uh, it. <laughs> just really sweet and charming. The leads uh, have a great connection. Uh, there's some uh, good dance sequences. Uh, we had a wonderful choreographer come in. Uh, charming and sexy and fun. Uh, there are many more that uh, are near and dear. Um, um, uh, I, I will also say that um, uh, many people were involved in this uh, more than ever, but our spinoff to Z Nation called Black Summer, which was a Netflix um, exclusive, uh, that that re you know that really stands up as something that. Uh, uh, this, stylish, strong, um, stark. Uh, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree. That was like a really fantastic, it was a really good at the time alternative to Walking Dead when people were getting fatigued by that. This was something new and fresh and, um, yeah. and ha had that quality. Uh, before it, we referred to that as the running dead, you know, sort of more action packed. and, and uh... I love that. I love that. Well, um, David, thank you so much for hanging out and having a chat. Like I've actually been wanting to do this for years, so I'm I'm chuffed. Um, absolutely. And I'll tell you, uh, reach out anytime. Uh, Brendan, who we talked about, and Anthony, who did the um, uh, Sharknados. Uh, Ferranti works with us as well. Michael Sue. So uh, uh, definitely reach out. I'm sure they'd be very excited. Oh, we've had Anthony on our show. Um, good movie Monday. Well, yeah. So. Okay. He's great okay. to chat with. And yeah, and Michael, we're going to get him on very soon. But yeah, thank you for you being here. Really appreciate it. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And we're talking about movies that take place either on, around, somewhere around the water. This one's my, I know it's kind of a, <clears throat> and I sound like Kathleen Turner. It's kind of a big, broad topic, but you don't I look like, like the her. water. I don't look like Kathleen Turner. Well, you do, you like do Kathleen Turner now. I look more like Kathleen Turner now. That's 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 accurate. A handsome woman. Handsome woman. I like the water. Would like to eventually live near the water. But when I brought up this idea, Chad was talking, going back and forth about the, I don't know. It's I too broad. Remember the one. It's too broad. Why is it so tough for me to do this? Because the one I want to say is Jaws. But everyone likes Jaws. Except for Chad. It's a classic but we've talked about it a hundred times. So how do you pick a movie that takes place on the water that people don't hear about all the time? Is it's that your a, pick? No, I'm going back and forth because I now I can't make up my mind. Okay, I, I'll I go. You want me to go? Yeah, I James, go. you go and then I'll go and that'll give Joe plenty of time. This movie has so many cool aquatic underwater scenes. It has everything else. So much so that G.I. Joe movie ripped it off and imitated it. I'm talking about the best Poseidon adventure if not the best Poseidon adventure James Bond films of all time Thunderball the Poseidon adventure that's not Thunderball 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 Joe and he strikes uh no Thunderball has great underwater fight scenes underwater it it is it, it it's not an ocean movie but it has so many cool choreographed underwaters it's just 
great. It, it also has the U.S. Coast Guard in it. What's not to love about that? See, it's got it's got the military of the water people. No, Thunderball is, when I thought about water films, I was like, oh, man, the, the final part of Thunderball may be one of the best uses ocean, of the ocean in a action film. Well, because it's well done. Mine is going to be a little bit more of a throwback, and I'll jump ahead of Chad. Mine is 1944's Hitchcock's Lifeboat. And actually, I was thinking about this one. Oh, earlier. that's a good one. And yeah, here's the my, reason why I'm going it's to It's one of my up. top, if you had to give me, it would be my top three favorite Hitchcock films. It's one of mine too. It's probably in at least the top five or six. The reason why I'm going to go with this is that there's no music unless there's music at the beginning and then at the end. His Bernard was it Bernard Herman he famously worked with so many times. They mm -hmm. got in a fire argument about this because he was like, Well, where would because Hitchcock was like, Well, where would the orchestra be? They're on a lifeboat. And he was like, Well, Mr. Hitchcock, where would the fucking camera be? Hitchcock was right. The music's then, the music's the beginning, and he used a totally different composer because they fought over this. It's about people in a lifeboat during World War II, and nobody trusts one another. If you've never seen it, Ten Little Indians, 500 other books. Is it? And it's Actually, I don't even think it's based on a book, but I think they actually got... If I'm not wrong, yes, I think one of the writers was Steinbeck for a split second. Check it out if you've never seen it. Hitchcock's Lifeboat. Now, see, you guys went broad. You did the whole they, ocean. They, they prefer the term women. You did the whole ocean. I'm going to go smaller. I'm just going to put the water in a basement. Anus. Now, you guys are saying, Chad, water in a basement. What's the big deal? Well, then you add That's alligators. expensive to fix, I tell you that. Well, then you add alligators. I'm talking about Crawl. That's a really good movie. It really is. 2019's Crawl. It's about a woman who's trying to find her father in the middle of a hurricane. It shouldn't be a good movie. It shouldn't be. And it's really, really short at an hour and 27 minutes. Bless but, it. But you go and she goes and find, goes to her old home and finds her father trapped in a basement injured. And then that's when it revealed they are literally surrounded by alligators and they are going to do anything they can to eat these two people. And they're trying to survive in a small basement crawling through a flood uh, as, as the waters are rising around them. It is an intense, great film. And just looking at the trailer and the poster, you go, this is hokey as hell. It is not. It is, it is terrifying. It is claustrophobic. And uh, I've never wanted to eat an alligator steak more to get back at those fuckers. Well, okay. I don't think it's, I don't know about terrifying claustrophobic, but it is a really good B it's movie. It's claustrophobic. It's a really me. good B movie. It Another is. good one, by As the a way, man it, who it, suffers from claustrophobia, I don't remember having it, but it is a good B movie. And it just moves like this. Mm -hmm. Another good boat. one, by the way, is 1957's The Enemy Below, speaking of ocean and, and tents. Yeah, with that, Below, Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. That right there is the final Bonehead fun size for the year. Thank you, Boneheads. And of course, they will be on next week's show with all of us together to send the year off with a bang. They're going to be up <laughs> quite early for that show. Oh, yeah, I know it. I know it. I think the time we record that, it's going to be like a 3 a.m. thing for them, as it has been in the past few years. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year I'll be a bit more generous. Because <laughs> it's 3 a.m. on their, thir their Friday morning. Yeah. It's not even their Saturday. So that, it's a work day for them. It's a work day. Far out. They don't have jobs. They like they all work in universities. <laughs> they don't have to go in at any nine o'clock or anything like that. Please do go and find the Bonehead uh, Weekly podcast. You can find it anywhere you can get good podcasts. Um, jump on their their social medias, give them a like and a share and a comment and all that kind of stuff. We do appreciate it. 
And now, Ben, on to a creature feature of another kind, Slother House. Oh, Slother what House. needs to be said? It, nearly everybody on social media has probably crossed this. At least the people that listen to this show have probably heard of Slother House. Look, they, I, I think, and I talk about it in the interview briefly. Yeah. But I was in Cannes when they were pitching <laughs> <Yes>. this. <laughs> and it was like 100%. The minute I saw the, the title come up on the trailer. Yeah. I was like, yes, 100% yes. <laughs> and we've seen the film and we both enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew Goodhue is the director. We're going to pick his brain right now. Enjoy. All right, oh, well, Matthew, very excited to be chatting with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, look, Great to meet you both. Lotha House, far out, man. Like, <laughs> people tend to have um, really strong reactions to these sort of movies uh, one way or the other I guess how have you found the reception to be do most people get it at the start it was like we got some really fun positive exciting kind of reviews and in articles and whatnot and things have sort of balanced uh, since <laughs> you know which again as you brought up it's like when you make a movie like this you sort of know people are gonna love it or like really hate it and i the, you know i've sort of seen that it's like <laughs> oh my gosh like this is so much fun we watch it with a group of friends and blah 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 or people say you know that cinema is dying it's it's you know be... it's like oh man i hope we don't do that because <laughs> movies are important but i do get you know it's not a movie for everybody and like that's that's okay that's what's great about genre it's like the people that love it will hopefully like champion it and try to show their friends and you know well i was in i was in khan when uh, i think i was at the raven banner stand does that sound does that sound right where i saw the the poster and the trail the teaser for it oh really oh and my god i was immediately like yes like i was there <laughs> with uh, my two colleagues from work and they they kind of they they just they we were like you know 20 seconds in where they were they were like this is your kind of movie oh amazing <laughs> you're definitely yeah. talking to the right people here this is our wheelhouse that's yeah. that's great i mean like to be honest like i i wouldn't have thought to, that, that i would ever make this movie you know i i love creature feature animal attacks stuff but it just it wasn't sort of on my radar of what, what i wanted to kind of try to make next and probably similar to you, it's like I saw the title of the movie and I was like, all right, like I'm I'm intrigued. I, I, I want to know more. Um, and definitely in terms of just like the tone of the movie, we hope if people look at the title and see any image from the movie, we kind of hope they're people are like down for the cause. You know, it's like we're trying to embrace the ridiculousness of, of this type of a film and you know, it, we hope if you're getting ready to sit and watch a movie called Slother House, like you're you're sort of in that mindset to begin with. So, uh, where does the conception come from? Like, I imagine it's ten beers deep. It's a conversation. Like, imagine oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how I mean, does it all I come know, together? I so I you know I got brought in. Like the script was written, money was raised. I was pretty lucky. Where it's just like, hey, will you pitch on this project? Um, but I know the writer Brad Fowler. I think he's, you know, been, you know, uh, an actor, he's an actor, he's a writer, and, you know, I think he's just kind of was sick and tired of the grind of trying to get projects off the ground. So the story that I know is that he and a friend in Florida, I think, as you said, probably had 10 beers and were like, how the hell do you get a movie made? It seems like everything that's being made is just the dumbest idea you could think of. 
And then I think Brad was like, okay, uh, what's the dumbest movie I could think of? Um, and, uh, and, you know, sloths are popular <laughs> creatures in, in, uh, in the world today in pop culture. So, you know, I, I gotta say when they, you know, I kind of read this story and heard, you know, the, the concept, I was kind of shocked that it didn't exist already. Like <laughs> making a movie called Slother House, uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how, do, how do the actors react? You get these people on board. Like, do they get it off the off the off the I, bat? We, or do, I, I, I can't imagine got, being an actor going, "How the hell am I supposed to play this?" I think we got really lucky because we didn't have a ton of we didn't have any rehearsal time. Uh, you know, where this is a much bigger movie for me, but in the scheme of things, it was still you know a small budget movie. Um, so, a lot of our actors. Uh, so we filmed in Serbia. A good chunk of our actors came from the UK. Um, we had a, a couple local Belgrade um, actors and a couple from the States. Um, but like, you know, the main kind of the principals were from the UK. And, you know, they they probably I think they came with like a couple days before we started filming. So we didn't get to do like a sit down table read or anything. But you know, what I tried to express to them was just like how I feel horror com comedies work best is like you have a ridiculous, ludicrous concept and everybody within the movie is taking it seriously. Like the yep. stakes need to feel real as silly as they are. Mm -hmm. And our actors, you know, I thought just did a really great job. They like they took it seriously and a lot of them come from like you know theater training and are like really talented gifted actors and they what was great was like they were game to be a part of such a silly story um but i think they really brought you know drama to it um and like an acting skill set that you know sometimes these movies don't tend to have um so i you know, I again, we we didn't have a ton of rehearsal time, but I think we got lucky in the sense that I think everybody kind of knew what movie it was that we were making, which is sort of the advice I've been given is like the and stories, you know, and whatever sort of uh, like cautionary tales is like the hardest thing is to make sure everyone's making the same movie. I was legitimately struck by how good looking this film is. Like it is a really smart, savvy looking slasher. Um, of course, you've got the the intentionally stupid premise, but what was the conversation about how this should look? I mean, I like again, kind of talking on that first uh, question about reactions. Like some people have been like, you know, these movies should look like shit. They should look like people have no idea what they're doing, and it's like I don't know how many chances I'm gonna get to make movies. So like, if I get a chance, I I want to do a good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I I want it to look really good. I love like my favorite part of making films beyond like post-production is probably number one but like designing the movie in terms of the production design and your shot selection and trying to kind of have rules for when the camera moves or what you know what, what we do with the camera like that stuff is I, I love that stuff I get really excited when you watch a movie and like it's just like there's clear intention behind what you're seeing mm. so it's like that that excites me immensely um so that that was like you know what 
I, I love that part of the process um, and working with the DP, Mark David, um, who is like a very seasoned DP. He's, he's shot so many movies and he's a director himself. Um, it was, it was really fun to, to kind of work with him and try to, you know, develop a language for the movie. Um, sort of the, 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 like the, the simple like explanation that we sort of had was like, we want sort of the first half of the movie to feel like a, like a Hollywood studio, like comedy, like, mm. It's like kind of the colors are a little more saturated. It's brighter. The whites are really popping. And then we sort of transition into a horror movie. Um, and we looked a lot at like hereditary in terms of just like color palette and kind of each shot um, selection and it's specifically like the the uh, the moonlight color. Mm. uh hereditary it's like that final sequence it's like this really nice like silver type of moonlight with like kind of a little bit of green in it um so yeah we we kind of looked at those like let's have a studio comedy that turns into a horror movie uh <laughs> and try to make it look good when we talk to ariasta we'll have to tell him that he uh influenced oh, House. <laughs> i mean i mean i think everybody wants to make Ari Aster movies who's like <laughs> who's making like you know trying to break into horror these days but yeah I mean yeah he's yeah. he's the best I can't wait to see what he does next as far as animals that lend themselves well to puppetry sloth have got to be the greatest like they are made to be puppets um, did you go through various designs or anything like that did you have versions of it because the one you've landed on is fantastic um, we we like didn't have a ton of time to develop this the, the puppetry. Um, so, you know, I think from from the start, you know, it starts with like reference images and stuff, and not just images of slots online and whatnot, but like looking at popular memes and all that stuff. That's like you know we we also very much knew like we wanted alpha to be incredibly cute and we all kind of agreed that the the sloth you see in the film which is a three-toed sloth like those seem to be kind of the cutest mm -hmm. they just have kind of the most like distinct uh facial features and we were all kind of quickly in agreement like that that the three-toed sloth uh, because of the face, the fur, and also like the three claws, like that was the type of sloth we wanted to to go with. Um, and then, you know, it, it was working with Creature Effects, who are based in LA, who did the design, who are super talented uh, puppeteers and manufacturers, like really just going, you know, back and forth with photographs. And we, we went to like a sanctuary in Los Angeles and like, met a couple slots and got to see how they move which was exciting and they truly don't do anything so it was like <laughs> it was like oh wow like we were there for like three or four hours and they didn't do they didn't move and it was like okay like kind of hoping we'd get an idea of like how the puppet can move but there's enough like video footage and stuff um i kind of got the impression and i could be completely off but that he is like He's a mix between the dirty old man from anime kind of cartoons like Wicked City and stuff like that and mm -hmm. like Mac from Mac and Me. <laughs> oh, for, yeah. A little bit of gizmo like, from you know, Gremlins and yeah, the, like the you Yeah, know, especially in like that, there's that great, the great scene where they're playing dodgeball and he's yeah. like, 
Tiff Stevenson is kind of holding him and he's got the, but he's blowing the whistle. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got the hat on and everything. It's I like, mean, it's like we, you know, the early conversations we, we, you know, we wanted the puppet to look real, but we also knew it, it's only going to look so real. Like mm. no, there's never going to be a moment where people are like, is that a real slob? It's like, <laughs> so we, we wanted to get sort of the size, correct, the weight, correct, the hair, correct. And then, you know, we're trying to embrace the fact that this is a puppet. So, you know, the actors are all going to treat alpha as if, she's a real sloth but you know the audience i did at the start of the film when he's reaching for the for the leaf and then gets i don't want to spoil anything but it's yeah. the first, <laughs> terribly convinced, gets you thought it was a real sloth into the like I, like until he crawls out until yeah. he kind of crawls out of the thing i was like is that a real oh good that's like, great I was, uh, I mean, like you know whereas i was again, thinking that's... is that christoph waltz <laughs> <laughs> but it is the thing at some point it's like you know, we spent so much time with this puppet. You sort of, you're like, I don't know how anybody is going to react to this. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we, you know, we, again, speaking to kind of like, you know, didn't have a ton of prep time and stuff. It's like, we didn't have our sloth on site in, in Serbia with us, like until a couple days before filming. And the sloth wasn't fully ready. Hmm. So, like, the first time we saw Alpha on camera, like, we didn't even get to do camera tests and stuff, which, like, <laughs> you you know, we all wanted to do, but it's just timing and money and all that stuff. Like, when you're making a, you know, a smaller budget movie, it's just, like, nothing, everything goes wrong. Uh, but, so, the first day we've shot with the puppet was when Alpha is, not to give anything away, but it's in the trailer, but Alpha drives a car. So the first time we see Alpha <laughs> on the monitor is like pulling <laughs> her hands up and being behind a wheel. And we're all looking at each other being like, is, does this work? Like, it was like, we were all laughing. So we were like, that has to be positive. Like we, you know, we, and once you get like the wind blowing and her hair is flowing yeah. back, it's like, I, I think it's working. Let's we're here we have to film this, that's so a good bench level to set though like start yeah. off there and then you know it was everything. yeah it was like <laughs> might as well start off with kind of the most ridiculous like moment in the movie <laughs> you know, i've heard like a lot of the time when when actresses shoot sex scenes they're always right at the start of the production and it's always super awkward but i think you know like that you want to get that stuff out of the way first because if that doesn't work then the rest of the we, film's not going to work. So it's good to start. Completely, with, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. If we, yeah, if we looked, if, if no one was laughing and we were all just like, oh, man, <laughs> you know, we would have had to pivot. And, you know, the we definitely had that conversation, um, you know, sort of having the Jaws conversation of like, okay, if, if this really doesn't work, are we going to try to do the thing where we don't see Alpha and none of us wanted that it was yeah. like this is the main character you know as much as emily is sort of at the heart of the movie it's like alpha is you know we don't want to hide alpha throughout this movie it's like we if if this movie is titled slother house and it is about a sloth that attacks these people 
like we have to show her well you 100 percent pulled it off according to us like we loved oh, it and thank you thank you the, so much in, in the last few months we've spoken to the directors of winnie the pooh blood and honey and the mean one Amazing. and they both they both said that they intend to make more of these movies what about you is this a wave that you're willing to ride i mean i would i would love to be able to make make another one i mean i think i i learned so much on this um and the the puppeteering is something like i really loved and loved working with the puppeteers on on um on site and would love to just find ways to push it more you know um well capybara is a really popular right now so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um absolutely but yeah i mean yeah i would love i would love to you know get the chance to because uh, of course like i don't know if the directors of those films you just spoke about it mention it but like you finish a movie and like you know there's a very long list of things you wish you did differently or yeah. it's just like oh next time i'm gonna do this and so it's like yeah to be able to to get to you know work in that same world again and try to improve on it and try you know and Alpha, I think, is like a pretty awesome character, and I would love to help, you know, continue her story and see where <laughs> she, where she goes next, and and try to, you know, just push it more. I, I would love to see like what other crazy, crazy stuff we could do. Well, like you, I feel like you've kind of set it up because the end of the film, with that once again, it's a spoiler, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, Alpha's back in the jungle, and you kind of. You know, you tee it up with the with the girl taking a selfie with him and stuff with her. Sorry, and so for me, it's, like, it's a perfect it's a perfect lead into like the Die Hard Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> a house. You know, was how could the same damn thing happen to the same damn sloth? Two, yeah, you know? this is the I tagline mean, right there. So hard to get movies made. So I I hope this movie <laughs> gets kind of enough traction behind it where it's like we get the chance to do another one um because i know you know we would all be super excited for for that opportunity because I, I know so like the the winnie the pooh like i'm i'm excited to see that second one like oh, yeah especially just like bigger <laughs> like the makeup from what i that one image i saw like it looks really good like but this time with I'm less sure pants. he learned so much <laughs> what's that but this time with less pants yeah, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't wear pants <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm sure when you guys spoke to that director it's like i'm sure he learned so much you yeah. know on on that first one and it's like you know yeah to be able to you're not necessarily like redoing what you did but it's just like you're you know you hopefully have a bit of a fan base who's like excited to see this new one and the hardest thing is getting your movie seen so it's like if you can make a film that already has a bit of a you know um some fans behind it it's like that's that's so exciting thanks so much for making time to have a chat with us slother house is so Thank much fun and everyone, so everyone, everyone we listen like should go and get your hands on this movie watch it it is fantastic it looks you great can watch it's it funny. with friends too it's a yep. good friend and from what i've read on letterboxd friends not condoning alcohol but if you have like <laughs> we i do. guess if you have drinks it can like you know it can be fun um, but yeah, it's like the goal with the movie was to just make a really fun, silly, entertaining, like all the way through, uh, mission accomplished, mate. Mission accomplished. that was, that was the goal. So if, yeah, thank you so much. That, that means a lot. Awesome. Well, we'll sign off here. Take care of yourself. We look forward to the next one. Thank you so much.
you go. If you enjoyed that chat, then please do head over to our Facebook page or YouTube because there's a full version of that chat because that was a that was a fairly long chat that we had with him and uh there's a whole lot of extra stuff that didn't make it into the show so please check out our facebook page thanks to matthew goodgy for hanging out with us brings us to the end of an episode ben it does a weird almost non-end yeah, what do you mean well, we're not doing recommendations so it doesn't feel, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel same length for the listeners yeah it just doesn't feel <laughs> the same for us yeah, but hey, we, we kind of recommend a double well, feature. We had those double features, that's true. That was fun. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Please join us next week. It's our final episode for 2023. Everybody that you hear on the show will be there. It's going to be an all-in brawl. <laughs> orgy? <laughs> Take your pick. An all-in audio orgy. Yeah, in your ear holes. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Hey, More wait. entertaining than those camera, those earwax <laughs> camera cams. Uh, yeah. TikTok the, videos. TikTok videos, <laughs> which I am seriously thinking about asking someone to get me for Christmas. Yeah, totally. But I'm terrified at what I'll find. Oh, speaking of TikTok, please follow our TikTok page as well. Comment on that, all the fun stuff that we Could you do. know the next place it goes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, there's two options. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of options. I'll just leave it up to you to decide which one All I'm right. going to use. So as promised, way back in our chat with Jarrett, it's that Italian gibberish song. It's uh, by Adriano Cilantro. I don't even know how to pronounce this song. but So good. Let's just say it's how he thinks Americans sound. Sound. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.
Adiós.